You're listening to the Back Porch Talk Podcast. Danny and Jason had many discussions and debates on the back porch while making pivotal investment moves with assets. That's right, with trading cards. They welcome you to the back porch and right into those discussions about current sports news with a fresh and unique twist. So come on and join us. Welcome to the Back Porch Talk Podcast. I'm your coach, Jason. This is your coach, Danny. And we have a fun-filled show for you today. Our reactions to Game 1 of the NBA Finals between the Milwaukee Bucks and the Phoenix Suns. And then we also have an interesting discussion about the name, image, and likeness uh, that's going across the NCAA, that's going across the country. But first, Danny, our reaction to game one of the Milwaukee Bucks, uh, Phoenix Suns, and where our Milwaukee Bucks actually took this L, uh, 118 to 105. Uh, Phoenix Suns has a 1 0 advantage. And I think that the surprising thing of it all was the fact that Giannis actually played. Mm-hmm. Uh, he missed those two games uh, in the Atlanta Hawks series. Uh, but was there out there playing and he played pretty well, actually, in my opinion. I mean, there was times in where he was aggressive, but then also you can tell there were some times that he was a little tentative uh, movement wise. And I think that was more so in the second half uh, of the game, but man, that chase down block that he had, I believe it was on bridges, man. On bridges, yeah. yeah. And everybody's, you know, really comparing that to what LeBron did against golden state uh, in game seven. Man, I mean, it was really exactly like what LeBron did, man. Uh, on a bum knee and all, Giannis chased down Bridges, man. So if the Bucks didn't get hype off of that, I don't know what they would have gotten hyped off of, quite honestly. Uh, Danny, let me just say this. Because mm-hmm. I've been listening to a whole lot of stuff on today. And let me just give you my expectations for game one. My expectations for game one for the Milwaukee Bucks was pretty low mm-hmm. because and this is something that I have not heard a lot of people talk about. You got to realize the Bucks just won game six on Saturday night, late night. They flew into Milwaukee and landed in Milwaukee at about 1230 Central Standard Time. Mm -hmm. They ended up leaving for Phoenix that same day. Later on that afternoon, early evening. So they had to get there, obviously, in time for all the media attention, the media Mm -hmm availability for the NBA finals on that Monday. Um, That's all fine and dandy, but man, what fans, uh, excuse me, what people haven't really talked about from what I haven't heard has been the fact that, man, that was a quick turnaround for the Milwaukee bucks Yep, to celebrate, to take the pictures, to travel, not only from Atlanta to Milwaukee, but to travel from Milwaukee to Phoenix Come on, man. That's a whole lot happening. Mm -hmm. And granted, yes, they gained two hours, uh, if you will, from Central Time to, you know, the West Coast time there. But, man, that's a whole lot happening. 
So my expectations for the Bucks in terms of their energy, in terms of their ferocity, in their terms legs. of their, their legs, man, it was my expectations was low anyway. Mm-hmm. That still does not give the excuse defensively of this damn drop coverage defense, man. <laughs> Come on, bud. You knew that Chris Paul and Booker are some mid-range assassins, man. Mm-hmm. To me, there's no there's no reason to not have game plan for that. And I don't know if it's more so a matter of a poker. Don't show all your hand uh, in terms of what you're going to do in the very first game. But, man, listen, you're trying to at least split mm-hmm. the first two games. So I, I just think that as bad defensively as the Bucks played, they still could have won this game because they actually played pretty decent on offense, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. But defensively, that's where they struggled. And I think, um, yes, they're going to make adjustments. That's what a ser- series is all about. Uh, my frustration, though, lies in in the late adjustments, in-game adjustments that Bud made. But you couldn't have put Giannis at the five earlier than the fourth quarter. I'm just saying, I mean, you saw Brooke getting – Ate up out there. You saw Chris Paul. You saw CP3 just go ahead and cross up Bobby Portis. Mm-hmm. I just think that there could have been a quicker in-game adjustments. Offensively, uh, I think the Bucks did okay. As much grief as people have given Middleton, I mean, you got to realize, man, Middleton gave him 29 last night, man. The Bucks are right there. I've heard so many people on today just say, that this series is over, that it will be a gentleman sweep in the in the Phoenix Suns' favor. I'm just like, hold up now. <laughs> the Bucks did lose the first game against the Atlanta Hawks in this series. Yep. They lost the first two games against the Brooklyn Nets mm-hmm. in that series. The series is not over. Mm-hmm. Giannis played, and he only played 35 minutes. And in those 35 minutes, he had 20 points and 17 boards. Yep. So this game, the series is not over. It's just that Coach Bud is going to have to make these adjustments. And I'm going to need to see a little bit more energy in game two. And I think we're going to get that now with the Bucks having a little bit more rest. They can look at some game film. They can go ahead and make these adjustments and then go for game two, and then have another day of rest. So three days before the next game, uh, yep. game three in Milwaukee. And I think that's where the bus can really go ahead and, and make a uh, move here in the series. What say you, Danny? So, Jason, first off, Giannis playing yesterday was a miracle <laughs> based on that injury. <laughs> I couldn't believe it watching watching the phone and – it was like doubtful, questionable. Oh, he's playing. His mobility looked good. He looked like he, he didn't miss much time. His He didn't look like he was really fatigued during that game either. So someone going through treatment as he was, for, they, like they said, around the clock, 
he would have thought he would have been a little more winded. He may not have played as many minutes as he did and is has and been as effective as he was. Uh, the Brooke Lopez thing, like you mentioned, I think the tough part of that was he was actually hitting shots. He had a lot of big threes to keep him in that, in that game. So it was hard to pull him in exchange. I, I, it was a great adjustment by putting Giannis at the five, but Bud was in a tough spot with Brooke because Brooke was hitting threes and he was hitting the glass. He missed, he had like four or five shots that went like toilet bowl on him out of the rim on like tip-ins and things. So you would have thought though, after just playing against Trey Young, they would have had a little more for that mid-range because Trey yeah. Young did does, yep. does the same thing. He does that dribble drive and he's either going to float it or lob it. Uh, in that case, the Capella. In this case, it's DeAndre Ayton. So that was something like I'm assuming they'll make adjustments on that. They have to because you have to shut that down in order to beat Phoenix. I don't expect Drew Holiday to play this bad going forward. So he had an off game. And it was just one of those things, man. He just had an off game. If he had played a little bit better, they may have had a shot at the end. And they missed, they did miss some free throws too at the end. So uh, a key thing is Sarge got hurt from the Phoenix Suns. So he tore it. He ended up tearing his ACL. So that's one less person on the bench. Uh, another injury happened with CP3. He played through it, but he sprained his ankle. The Bucks getting that turn that quick turnaround because I was gonna mention the same thing, man. You could see at points in the game where they look tired, but man, yep. their three point percentage was over forty percent. Yeah, yep. They shot. They were in that game, man. They kept hitting they three were in the game. They were in the game, and it was just they had some defensive lapses that hurt them. So I see it as. Game two, they'll come out guns a blazing, and we'll see how much losing Sarich hurts Phoenix, the bench. Um, and Chris Paul hit some tough shots last night. Booker hit some tough shots, even though they're those mid-range shots. There are a lot mm -hmm. of fadeaways, and and some contested threes where CP3 got in the zone in that third period where they couldn't do anything with him. So it may be a different game on Thursday night. But all in all, you couldn't expect it much more from Milwaukee coming coming out. And they almost stole that game, honestly, being down 20 in the third They quarter. did. They did. And I would just say to your point about three-point percentage, uh, the Bucks shot 16 for 36 from the three-point line for 44.4%. Mm -hmm. The Phoenix Suns uh, shot 11 for 34 uh, for 32.4%. I think where the difference really in this game lies here uh, is that of the free throw line. Uh, I made mention of this uh, at halftime in our group chat, and I looked at the free throw free throws. Mm -hmm. Booker got to the free throw line in the first half eight times. So he was eight for eight from the free throw line. Ironically enough, the actual uh, point differential between the two teams was eight points. Mm -hmm. 
So when you think about the aggressiveness, if you will, of the Phoenix Suns going to uh, the back, the bucket and getting fouled and going mm-hmm. to the free throw line. I mean, it was uh, apparent there. But also, I, I have to really look at the refereeing. I hate to always do this, but man, it was just so lopsided. It was so evident um, here. The Bucks uh, for the game was nine for sixteen from the free throw line, uh, and where Giannis actually shot twelve of those free throws. Man, so you mean tell me nobody else really? was aggressive from the Milwaukee Bucks or no one else really got fouled uh, like that. I mean, let's, let's think about what, what we have here. I mean, it was unbelievable in where Giannis, uh, I want to say was seven for 12 from the free throw line. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I mean, that's the big chunk in the first half within the very first minute of the game, Giannis was already on the free throw line, probably the first or second play of the game. So at halftime, I mean, there wasn't a whole lot of free throws from the on the Bucks side. So I think that was a little bit lopsided, and I think that was a huge difference here um, in, in dogs. Because I know I've seen several times in where the Bucks got fouled, Giannis got fouled, uh, and they didn't call it. Um, that should have been him going to the free throw line. Same thing with Chris Middleton. Um, but nonetheless, man, Chris Middleton still had a good, a, a, a decent game here. He had 29 points. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we're looking at 45 minutes he was in a gang. Uh, so 12 for 26 from the field, 5 for 12 from the three-point line. Uh, so Middleton has had a pretty, you know, solid game, uh, followed by Giannis with 2017, which I mentioned earlier, and then Brooke Lopez, to your point, he has 17 points, uh, six boards. Uh, and, again, Drew struggles here, uh, 4 for 14 from the field, 0 for 4, from three-point line for only 10 points. Um, so I, I think, yeah, Drew's going to have to be a little bit more aggressive. And I think Drew was trying to find himself uh, in the midst of Giannis being in. Here we go again. And here we go again. This is here we go what, we talked again, about, what we talked about in the Atlanta series. This is what we've been talking about, man. And I will give Coach Bud this credit. He put Giannis in. He started him. My preview for this series was maybe have Giannis come off the bench initially starting off because he's injured. We just want to give him a a certain uh, number of minutes um, and to keep that core team that ended the Atlanta Hawks series together. Yep. But put, you know, started Giannis. And Giannis only played maybe four minutes to start off with. They took Giannis off so that and put Bobby Portis in, so that way that core team uh, can go ahead and you know start. The big difference though is it didn't allow Drew to get in any kind of rhythm, mm-hmm. and you could tell throughout the entire night Drew just wasn't in the rhythm, man. Uh, again, quick turnaround, all that, but. Drew just wasn't in any type of rhythm. I think that Giannis coming back may have done that. They going to have to cor- figure that cor- out. There's a correlation there, Jason. <laughs> in this series, man. Let that team start. Mm-hmm. Bring Giannis in, ease Giannis in mm-hmm. because they had something going. The ball was moving. Mm-hmm. Last night you saw again kind of where the ball was sticking at times. And that's where they got into trouble. And I think that's where, too, 
they mm-hmm. they are making mm-hmm. those threes because they got bailed out on some of those where they're just sitting there dribbling, dribble, dribble, kind of moving. And then all of a sudden it was like, oh shoot, bail it out. And then luckily someone will hit the three. They have no choice but to figure it out, quite honestly, if they want to become world champions. So yeah, uh, they definitely gotta figure it out. Danny, let me ask you this. Mm-hmm. DeAndre Ayton, man. 22 points, 19 boards, third year in the league, former number one overall uh, draft pick. DeAndre Ayton is a prototypical Western Conference big man and where he's agile, mm-hmm. um, pretty lean. Mm-hmm. Um, when you think about the Eastern Conference, you always think about a big man that's pretty big and just overpowering. You can yeah. almost say Brooke Lopez is overpowering DeAndre Ayton. He's stronger than DeAndre Ayton. How I knew that Giannis was pretty okay. Giannis moved DeAndre Ayton pretty easily a couple times there uh, yeah. for a dunk. But DeAndre Ayton, I think, is man. Phoenix Suns have they have a really nice squad, man. Mm-hmm. We said this about a year or two ago. I remember you saying it. Watch out for Phoenix. I remember you saying that. Watch out for Phoenix. And they are here. They have arrived, man. And mm-hmm. I think they're going to be a problem in the Western Conference for a couple of, a couple of years here, purely because you have DeAndre Ayton. And, and, man, the Phoenix Suns, they're just so smart. And I think that really comes from CP3 being the on-court general but also Monty, Coach Monty Williams. Yes. Uh, they're smart, man. They are very smart. Their IQ is through the roof. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's why I think there, you know, there was a lot of talks this morning about the Milwaukee Bucks only getting a win or two because of the IQ not being as high as uh, the Phoenix Suns. We'll see. There's some improvement by the Milwaukee Bucks and Coach Bud and staff. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the Bucks will win game two. Yeah, I think back to that IQ item and the Phoenix Suns, CP3 has given them those, mm-hmm. those dudes that confidence. Mm-hmm. He came in, like even last night, if you listen where you can hear him mic'd at sometimes during the game, he was straight up yelling at them. But then they're like, okay, I got you. I got you. Like he was on DeAndre Ayton a couple times. Um, I'm lobbing it to you. Roll to mm-hmm. the basket or on defense. You can't go. You got to switch. And So he was always in their ear. And they're receptive to that feedback. And that's why I thought, even though CP3 makes a lot of money, if it wasn't Drew Holiday, CP3 was what the Bucks needed because he would be in Giannis's face checking Giannis and that will propel Giannis even further because he needs someone like that on him. Even though he's hard on himself, he works hard. He needs a CP3 in his ear to check him because at times he can get out of line a little bit where he's not following the game, following what he should be doing mm-hmm. during the game. Mm-hmm. And CP3 will get in his mm-hmm. face. And he's, he, he, runs, he runs the court. He's a great point guard. Uh, the IQ thing, mm-hmm. I know people keep – I keep hearing this too about the Bucks IQ and everything. 
they're in the finals. So they must know something. They're doing something right. Like I said, they've had a, a few breaks uh, with some ankles, with Kyrie and mm -hmm. Trey Young and everything. But so they're that talented. Let's put it like that. They're that talented mm -hmm. to overcome that. So it's going to be very interesting. I think game two, I think Phoenix pulls it out. I think it's going to be a really close game again. I don't see many of these games being blowouts because honestly, the Bucks are too talented. No, I, I don't. I don't either. Uh, and they're too deep to where they should fall victim to a blowout or Phoenix, except for that matter. Because I don't think CP3 wants that ring, man. CP3 wants that ring. So this this is the key difference in this series versus the last series. Trey Young and those dudes made it. They had a good effort. They wanted it. But CP3 at 16 years in, he wants it. Mm -hmm. So I think it's – I think Phoenix gets this next game, but I don't see Milwaukee losing at home. And now, Danny, to the name, image, likeness. Um, and this is a whole lot going on, man, with this. <laughs> this is be real. Um, I think the NCAA uh, is going to be no longer, man. Um According to some state laws, uh, apparently on July 1st, um, there were state laws that were scheduled to begin to go into effect and where the athletes can now uh, use their name, image, and likeness to uh, basically get paid, man. Uh, mm -hmm. We're talking about uh, such states like Alabama, Florida, Georgia, Kentucky, Mississippi, New Mexico, and Texas um, beginning um, that began on July 1st. And so this all started actually in California, uh, where California, this is back in 2019, where California passed uh, legislation um, to really prohibit schools from punishing athletes uh, who accepts endorsement money while in college. Uh, and so the NCAA obviously was against that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and uh, nonetheless, there was some back and forth uh, but ultimately, uh, the NCAA uh, had a board of governors meeting uh, and unanimous, unanimously um, voted to uh, modernize their name, image, and likeness rules. Well, that's where the states came into place, uh, came into play, and they went ahead and established their own rules. Uh, and so uh, there's a long over the past couple of years, man, there's a long line of actions and, and back and forth between the NCAAs and states and conferences, Pac-12, uh, SEC, et cetera. Bottom line is this, man. These athletes about to get paid, and they, are, they have gotten paid, man. Mm -hmm. um, there, are, there have been some endorsement deals already signed, Okay. Uh, my beloved alma mater, Florida A&M University, uh, entered into the SWAC uh, conference. And when they entered into the SWAC conference, they also made an announcement of a five-year deal uh, with in, well, basically INFCLR and Teamworks. So basically, that is uh, pretty much the platform that helps uh, student athletes to um, basically they, they're afforded opportunities, whether it's a brand strategy, 
uh, mobile app designs, education compliance tools, uh, just a whole array of things that help student athletes really go ahead and market themselves. Uh, and so now they're, they're ha- they have that platform in um, Dahl. So that's a five-year deal in um, Dahl. Then you have the likes of uh, Michael Strahan and, and Deion Sanders uh, coming together, uh, teaming up to help uh, Jackson State University student athletes um, in where SMAC, that's S-M as a Mary, A-C Entertainment, um, that is a multi-dimensional talent management, music, branding, sponsorship, business incubator, and production company, which was co-founded by Michael Strahan. Uh, and so uh, you have that likes, and you have the likes of uh, them, part, the student athletes having access now to uh, this platform, to this company, uh, to where they can go ahead and uh, again, monetize on their name, mm-hmm. image, the likeness, but that's not all. I mean, you have uh, Master P's son who inked a two a $2 million contract, man, uh, before even dribbling the basketball for Tennessee State University. And mind you, these are HBCUs that I'm referring to. So yep. for so long, there has been that divide that student athletes that goes to HBCUs can contend with um, power five schools uh, monetarily, uh, whatever the case may be. But here you, we just provided some examples and where the student athletes are now getting paid. Uh, another deal, um, this is with the University of Miami, 90 members of the football team can get upwards uh, to $6,000 a year. That's right. Each member of the football team could get up to $6,000 a year, which would total about $540,000 annually. And this is from American Top Team. American Top Team is uh, a uh, top training academy for MMA. And so when you think about the deals. And I know one concern was, well, what about the offensive and defensive linemen, the punters, the kickers, et cetera? Well, this kind of deal kind of solves that. I mean, it's giving money to everybody on a football team, as long as everybody agrees to uh, the agreement here to the deal. So this thing is fastly moving. Um, I remember reading an article here where Master P himself said, and he gave advice to parents. He was like, instead of going for big companies like a Apple or like a Google or whatever, because um, those companies or Nike, those companies have big name uh, folks brand, you know, you know, promoting their product, if you will. Right. Mm-hmm. So why not go to a smaller company, a tech company who just got money? who's trying to uh, go to that next level. And that makes a whole lot of sense because there's a lot of businesses, small businesses out there who is really trying to get their brand and to really market their product or and or services. So mm-hmm. this is, man, this is, there's no rhyme or reason to this thing, man. This is like open, 
this is yep. like the wild wild west and i think honestly man it's going to be one of those where as we go they'll make the rules up if you will as they go mm-hmm. uh as of right now there ain't no nationwide rules and regulations this is going by state from state Mm-hmm. Um, so this is going to be really interesting to see how this uh, shakes out, Danny. What, how you feel about it? A couple things that came to mind. I know you mentioned about the deal with Miami, but I still see an element of jealousy, dissension, whatever you want to call it, within these locker rooms. Because if someone comes in, say it's a freshman, comes in, he's mm-hmm. inked this crazy deal, and you got a senior over here who's averaging like twenty four, but is not getting any shine for whatever reason, doesn't have the representation to help him grow his brand. How does that play in a locker room? Next, depending on the states, that may swing the talent. So if certain states have certain rules and regulations around this that are pro-athlete versus some that do not, how does that swing the talent how does that impact schools how does that impact all these different sports because i can see that now i can see the transfer portal (laughs) is going to be insane and how do you manage all this so it's all right we're going to figure out as we go like you mentioned but it's they better figure it out quick and (laughs) who's going to be coaching some of these kids and students about all right you're making this money don't forget you gotta pay Uncle Sam. Don't forget you gotta take care of this to this and this uh financially so you have this money so you don't go down a path and then you're all of a sudden out of your money. So there's gotta be some type of liter financial literacy around these rules and people to advocate for these athletes. Because this is the same as pro athletes have in the past and currently where they don't have the financial literacy depending on your upbringing or who you've been around or just how you operate it to give them the guidance to say, all right, man, mm-hmm. invest your money this way. I'm not telling you to do everything, but here, you got to do this to keep this safe, a nest egg, because mm-hmm. uh, you can build this in a generational wealth, for example. So those are the type of things. And then the other thing, I hate to say this one, but it's security. So as some of these student athletes, you're on a campus, you're in a dorm, you're amongst the general population, and these kids have these deals and you just have these regular student or student over here, how are they gonna feel about this, right? So what's the security, what are the security measures to protect these student athletes as well so nothing silly happens from someone being jealous from just the outside looking in to say, oh, man, he signed this deal. Are they going to figure out housing a different way for athletes going forward? Things like that, that they had actually got to think about. That was one of the first things I thought. I was like, man, student athletes already have a bullseye on their back. Mm-hmm. Like if they go out to the club or go out, you know, to a party or something. You know, people are jocking them, but then there's people that are hating. So how do you manage that and keep them protected so they don't fall into something and end up getting hurt or whatever the case may be? So as we as this progresses, we'll definitely hit on it more and more. But 
those are some of the things I saw out of it, in addition to what you mentioned, um, that makes this very interesting and curious how this plays out and how they align. So it's not um, just the wild, wild west out there. No, and, and to add to that, man, I mean, I think even golf, uh, the mm -hmm. golf's governing body is waving um, NIL rules uh, as well, man. So this thing is expanding. This not football. We're talking about the likes of basketball, golf, all sports. Yes. Uh, and it may actually honestly help those non-generating, uh, revenue-generating sports. Mm -hmm. uh, as we know, college football is the main uh, moneymaker that basically helps a lot of uh, athletic departments financially and yep. basically provides for all other uh, sports mm -hmm. at a school. So if this NIL helps other sports, students in other sports, maybe that can really help, uh, the, you know, a department overall. I mean, talking about scholarship money, we're talking about, I mean, the whole nine. It's exposure. Yeah. Exposure. Yeah. So this is a game changer for the student athletes. And I think the NCAA, man, a, they may no longer be an NCAA, mm -hmm. quite honestly. Um, I can honestly see conferences separating themselves from the NCAA, uh, especially as you have now state laws in place. Yep. So we'll see what happens. Fans, tell us what you think. Uh, hit us up uh, on Twitter at back underscore podcast. Thank you for joining us at Backports Talk Podcast. You can also join us on Twitter by tweeting us at back underscore podcast. For more information, you can go to our website, which is backporchtalkpodcast.com. You can also email us at backporchtalkpodcast at gmail.com. Again, thank you for joining us. And remember that there's enough hate in the world. So go ahead and spread a little love.